not my wife if you said you are practically perfect in all your ways. That would be about Jill then. She's almost perfect. Practic she's Mary Poppins, practically perfect. We're going to talk some more about spiritual gifts. Anybody like gifts? Yeah. All right, good. Anybody like to give gifts? Yeah. All right. So God gives gifts through you to others, to the body of Christ and to the world. Isn't that cool? You are God's gift to the human race. All right, so uh, there it is. Adam, it's true. You are God's gift to women. And men. Yeah. Your mother-in-law's here. She's got you. like him, don't you? He's a good son-in-law. He's one of my, that guy, he's one of my favorite people. Of course, I have a lot of those. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And the, oh, brother. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers all them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To the one is given to the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge. To another, by the same Spirit, according to the same Spirit. And to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. And to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. So we're talking about spiritual gifts, and uh, this morning I'm going to talk about misconceptions about spiritual gifts. And uh, again, I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, I'm giving, a, I think I've got like 10 misconceptions. Sam Storms in his book has a beginner's guide to spiritual gifts. He has 10 misconceptions. My list is not exactly the same as his, but it's really derivative from that. So, uh, so if somebody, you know, uh, hears this and sees, hey, I read that book. Kevin's ripping that guy off. No, I'm giving him credit. It's a good book. And so I like what he said, but I'll make it, uh, I'll make it unique here. Um, I'm not going to read from his book. I'll just tell you what I think about some of these things and what I think the, the scriptures say about some of these things. And so there's a lot of misconceptions about the spirituals, about the uh, pneumaticons, the spiritual gifts. And, uh, and one of those misconceptions is that spiritual gifts are only for pastors and super saints who move in the miraculous. Oh, some of the, some of the less uh, spectacular spiritual gifts may be for the, may be for the uh, folks, you know, uh, there may be some good church secretaries and some people who are helpful and some people who have mercy and all that. But really, uh, really the flashy spiritual gifts, especially teaching and preaching and exhorting and miracles, those are given for people who are in leadership. And it's just not true. Spiritual gifts are given as God wills for the common good. In fact, uh, we'll get to this misconception, I think, a little later, but... Um, if, I don't even know if this is on the list of misconceptions, so I'll just cover it. 
I think it is a misconception to believe that you have a specific gift or two or three, and those are your spiritual gifts. I really think that all the gifts are available to all of us as the Spirit wills in any particular season. Now, I think it is true that we tend to operate in, in a certain cluster of gifts that fit who we are and our personality and how God is working with us and through us at a season in our life. And I think sometimes people are given gifts uh, and an anointing that those gifts really become uh, an office where they, they really function as that for the whole body of Christ in a big way. Having said that, uh, I just think all the gifts, you know, I think I said this last week, you have Batman's belt, right? The whole, you've got everything there that you need to do uh, to do the work and will of God. So uh, there may come, in fact, uh, as we started this church, um, we didn't have Yvette. Uh, to lead us in worship, and Dan and Jen, we didn't have this, these people to lead us in worship, and so I would make CDs and put CDs on, and we would do CD worship, and I would lead in worship, and you know what? It worked. We had some good worship leaders, too. I mean, we had Bethel and Rita Springer, and they were almost as good as you, almost, not quite, and so we had some good stuff, and, and, uh, but they, they lacked spontaneity on the CDs. I could never, you know, I could never do them go like this. Unless I knew the song and they were going to do that. And then it would look kind of cool. It would be like, hey, watch this. <laughs> Power over the CD. Yeah, people, that was funnier than you, than you gave me credit for. All right, so God gives gifts as he wills, and he doesn't just give gifts uh, to kind of upfront people. The gifts are available to the whole body, uh, and they're not just available, and, and certainly they are available far more than in this context. In fact, the best context which the spiritual gifts work are in, uh, are in house groups, those kinds of settings. You know, your, well, when you guys meet with your home group and when you guys meet out at Rebecca's house, uh, those, kind of, those kind of settings are, are really the best settings for spiritual gifts to operate in. And then they also operate, uh, though uh, Paul talks about gifts operating in the church, God also gives gifts uh, for the world. I mean, that's obvious because in Ephesians 4, somewhere else he talks about spiritual gifts. He talks about the office or the giftedness of the evangelist. Well, that's, you know, that's not really that necessary in the church. Uh, you can't just keep saving the saved. I know in some churches, you know, you can respond to 32 altar calls, but pretty soon it sticks. Pretty soon you're good. And so uh, the gifts operate in the world as well. And they're for all of us. So, when you were converted, you got all the gifts or gifts you will ever have. Again, people talk about this. They talk about it's good to know what your spiritual gifts are. I think it's more fluid than that. I agree that when you're converted, uh, uh, you begin to encounter and experience giftedness. Uh, when I first got converted, I really encountered and experienced evangelism, which is actually a gift God often is, is one of the gifts that comes to the forefront often with new believers because they're excited about their newfound faith, and new believers know what? What do new believers know that a lot of people have been in church a long time don't know? Unsaved, Unsaved people, right? You've been in church for a while, you know, all your friends are in church, but not new believers. All their friends are in the world. And so uh, it takes less intention to be an evangelist as a new believer than it does as a seasoned believer. Now, that does not get, get you off the hook for being an evangelist. 
In some ways, if you're a seasoned believer, you can be a better evangelist. You, got, you know more stuff. You've got more experience. You know how to pray. You can, you, maybe you've got more fruit in your life, a little more character going on. Um, however, I will say this. New believers typically make the best evangelists. They typically they make the best inviters because they're, they're, they're both excited about their faith uh, and uh, they just know people. So, uh, how, having said that, all the, the, the gifts that you experience, my, my gift set has changed over the years. The kind of things that I, that I operate in have changed, has changed over the years. And, uh, and, and other things start to come to the forefront that weren't there necessarily before. And, and I, so I think it's more fluid. I don't think God just sets, okay, you became a Christian, I'm going to give you these three gifts. There you go. That's the rest of your life. doesn't work that way. That's a misconception. One of, the, one of the ways God advances spiritual gifts in your life is giving you a desire. If you're walking with God and you desire a certain spiritual gift, pray for it. Go after it. That's, that perhaps is God's way of wanting to birth that in you. So, you know, Yvette, if you want to preach, just pray that God would just pour that into you. All right? And Dan's, Dan's rebuking that spirit because he already knows she preaches. <laughs> and he knows who the congregation is. <laughs> All right, miraculous gifts were given primarily to authenticate the apostles. Uh, there's nowhere that the Bible says that. Cessationists say that. Cessationists say that the miraculous gifts were given to authenticate the apostolic ministry, but now that we have the Bible, we don't, know, we don't need miraculous gifts anymore. The problem is, if that were true, the Bible that the apostles wrote that the miraculous gifts were given to authenticate would say that. And it doesn't. You cannot make a case for cessationism from the scriptures. It's just not there. There's no case to be made from the Bible to say that the miraculous spiritual gifts ceased after the first three centuries. The only case you can make for the lack of miraculous gifts is the lack of miraculous gifts in your experience. But people who believe the Bible often say, don't judge the Bible by your experience. Believe the Bible over your experience. Except when it comes to the fact that we don't do any miracles, then we just have to say, God, stop doing miracles because we don't do any miracles. Well, there's another reason perhaps God isn't doing miracles because you don't believe in miracles. And it seems pretty clear from the New Testament that believing in miracles helps to have miracles. I mean, Jesus mentions faith time or two. You kind of get what you expect in life. And if you don't expect God to do much, he won't. Or you won't see him do much. Miraculous gifts were not given. There's nowhere in the mention of, of spiritual gifts does it say the miraculous gifts were given to authenticate the apostles. Now, it does say in the Bible that, that uh, apostles did miracles, and these are the miracles of apostles. But it doesn't say that it's only given to apostles. And it doesn't say that that's their primary function. Miraculous gifts were primarily given to do miracles. And to point as signs to Jesus. Healing wasn't given to authenticate the apostles. Healing was given to announce the kingdom of God in our midst. Because in his kingdom, there is what? No sickness. So healing is a manifestation of his kingdom come, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we can heal the sick. 
Miracles were given for the body and for the world. Signs and wonders to point us to Jesus and to build up the body of Christ. Miracles still are in operation today. Miracles still happen today. Uh, I just uh, had a wonderful conversation with a, with a young man after Young Life on Thursday night who's an atheist. And it was a very respectful, con he wasn't a confrontational atheist at all. He came with questions. And, and his first question was, how can you be sure? And I answered him honestly. I said, you can't. I have no definitive proof for the existence of God and that Jesus is his son that I could give you that would answer all objections. But I said, here's how I believe. And I gave him some of the evidences. And I said, first of all, I said, I believe the scriptures are historically reliable documents, not based on the fact that they're God's inspired word, but based on the fact that they were written by first century eyewitnesses of these facts. And when I read these scriptures, this amazing personality emerges, this amazing, this amazing person of Jesus of Nazareth appears, and I believe based on those scriptures and based on the existence of the Christian church that this incredible miracle happened, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Therefore, based on that, I go back to the scriptures and say, I think these books are inspired. I don't start with the inspiration. I start with just reliable historical documents. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I said, that's, that's my first place why I believe. This, this person, like, was nobody else in history. And he got up from the dead. And then I said, once I, started in, once I started having a relationship with that person that I couldn't see, hear, smell, taste, or touch, that I couldn't encounter with my five senses, I found out that through faith I could encounter him in other ways. And I actually started having a relationship. I started talking to him. I started praying to him. And I said, not all my prayers were answered the way they wanted, I wanted them to be. But I did find that my prayers were answered. I know what you atheists say, answered prayer is just a coincidence. But when I pray, coincidences pile up. And then I talked to him about the evidence in, in, in creation. I said, the fingerprints of design are all over creation. I know atheists say that's an illusion, but I say it's, a, it's evidence. It's not proof, but it's evidence. DNA is pretty powerful evidence for, for uh, a designer because DNA is a code. It's a language written into every form of life that exists on the planet. And if you find a language, typically you find a language speaker, a language maker. I mean, there are others. Listen, don't be afraid of science, people. It's on our side. And so we talk, I talked about that. And then I talked about this. I said, then there are miracles. And I said, not just miracles in the Bible. I know miracles. I know miracles. Nick, I always pull you out, man. I got this friend five years ago. He was dying. I was there the night he was dying. I mean, I don't know if you'd have made it through that night, man. Or not, you know. You're on your way out. Now you're in prison. I mean, leading people to Jesus in prison. It's a miracle. But that's not the only one. There are others. There are other miracles I've seen. Uh, um, from, you know, miracles that people kind of poo-poo, like, oh, well, sore backs and headaches. Well, you know what? If you've got a sore back or a headache, that's a good thing. You've got a bad knee and it gets healed, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But I've seen, I've seen the deaf here, too. 
I've seen sight improve in people. Not totally blind, but nearly blind. Uh, and so there are miracles. That's, and, and you know what? I didn't, that boy didn't get converted that night, but those signs made him wonder. And so miracles are given not just to authenticate the apostles, but to demonstrate the kingdom of God among us. If you seek spiritual gifts, it means you don't trust God and are not content with what you have. And the next one, too. Seeking spiritual gifts means you are shallow and seeking his hands, not his face. Have you heard people say that? Don't seek experience. Seek his face, not his hands. Well, dear ones, I got news about his face and his hands. They're connected. They're connected. I like what Bill Johnson says. If you're seeking his hands, look up. The face will be there. It's ridiculous to dissect God that way. My, my, uh, Jill's dad, I've told you this, is a wonderful man. Uh, just uh, love my father-in-law. And he's, he's been a wonderful grandpa to my kids. And he's just generous. He's very generous. I think I told you the story where uh, he was with his wife, his, you know, my, uh, my kid's grandma, my mother-in-law, and Jill, and Megan and grandpa were all in the mall together. And Megan was four years old. And she saw the toy store, Toys R Us. She said, Grandpa, let's go to the toy store. And Grandpa said, yes. And they started walking to the toy store, all four of them, to which Megan turned around and looked at her grandmother and her mother and said, you two can't come. <laughs> because her four-year-old mind was working on me and Grandpa alone, without the no-sayers, in the toy store. It's a smart girl. Listen, he's been generous with my kids their whole life. Uh, but they don't love him for the stuff. They love him because he's grandpa. You don't love God for the stuff. You love him because he's God. And he's good to you. But how does he demonstrate his goodness? By the stuff. By working among us. By dancing with us. By revealing his gifts. He delights in, in gifting us and, and, and expanding his goodness through us. It doesn't mean you're shallow if you seek spiritual gifts. Yes, there are people who seek experience after experience after experience and they don't want to grow. And they, they think that their spiritual maturity, they think that their spiritual success is based on their list of experiences. And the further out and the crazier you can get with your experiences the more spiritual you are. That's not, where we're, that's not what we're talking about. But gifts, remember, aren't about me. They're not my personal experiences. Gifts are God working through me for the sake of others. Why wouldn't? Why would that be bad to seek that? God, I want more of you to bring more of your goodness into the land of the living. I want to be a better husband, a better father, a better grandfather, a better citizen, a better pastor, uh, a, a, better, a better just neighbor than I am now. And I need, I need you to do that in me and through me. Wait, God's shame on you. You're just being selfish and shallow. No, he loves that. He loves his children who are hungry for more. You can always ask for more. There's nothing shallow about that. And there is a sense where we are called to be content in him. But there's also a sense where we're called to be restless. 
You understand? The, you, know, you, know, you know what I mean? There's a sense where it's like, I have all I need in him. But then when it comes to his mission in the world, there ought to be a restlessness. There ought to be a restlessness. I mean, every once in a while, do you think about lost people? And it's just like, you begin to go, Lord, no. No, no. They have got to be found. I'm not going to sit by idly and let people I love slip off into a Christless eternity. I am restless about this. And Lord, I need you. I need more of you. I'm not going to slip off idly. Man, people, listen, I'm not giving up on the Pacific Northwest. I don't care if there's only 30 people in church. I'm not quitting. Well, I have no options. No marketable skills. But there's another reason I'm not quitting. I'll tell you why I'm not quitting. It's, I'm kind of stubborn. And when I moved up here, I heard people tell me, oh, you can't go plant a church in the Pacific Northwest. That's where church planters go to die. That's hard ground up there. Why is the ground so hard? It's always wet. That's hard ground up in the Pacific Northwest. And you know what? That kind of language made me mad. You know, because you know what that language was saying? The Pacific Northwest is big. God is puny. <laughs> really? Really? God's not bigger than the strongholds in the Pacific Northwest? God can't get breakthrough in this part of the world? It's just too hard? Shut up! <laughs> Jesus called his disciples little faiths. Puny faith. Shut up, you people of puny faith. Shut up, you little faiths. I'll tell you what. We're bringing revival to the Pacific Northwest or die trying. I, I go, I'm voting for option one, by the way. And what do we need for that? We need more giftedness. More Holy Spirit. More courage. More boldness. More miracles, not less. God likes that hunger. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. The word there, earnestly desire, is zelato. Same word we get, zealous. Be zealous for spiritual gifts. Be like a crazed Seattle Seahawk fan for spiritual gifts. You know, we ought to all wear colors. I want spiritual gifts. We ought to have uniforms and wear them every Sunday. We'd have parades, 750,000 people on the streets of Seattle. More of God, spiritual gifts. Instead of, yay, overpaid, prima donna athletes who unite our town. They're all good. All right, go on, next slide. We'll finish this. When spiritual gifts are abused, they should be shut down. This is just a principle in life, people. The, 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 the way to correct abuse in any situation of life is not non-use, but correct use. I was with a, uh, a pastor, and he was part of a denomination that didn't speak in tongues, not because they didn't believe in speaking in tongues, but because tongue speaking had proven to be so divisive. So because it's divisive, we don't want anything like that. So yeah, it's in the Bible, but we don't want it. How can you say that? How can you be a Bible-believing preacher and say, we don't want that even though it's in the Bible? The proper use is never non-use. The proper, the proper answer to abuse is not non-use, but correct use. Listen, there are parents who abuse discipline, who beat their kids in their anger. 
And then the reaction to that is, oh, kids are so innocent and they're so perfect. Never discipline children. They'll grow up just fine without discipline. No, they won't. They will be criminals. Have you ever met somebody who said, kids are so honest? You ever seen some? Kids would never lie. They're so honest. What is that person telling you? They're senile or have no children. Kids lie. Did you eat that cookie? <laughs> They're bad liars, but they lie. I remember when Caitlin was uh, three or four, the, other, the two older ones were at school, and she was home alone, and Megan had these little plastic toys called Littlest Pet Shops. Anybody remember those? Yeah, Megan had Littlest Pet Shops, and we didn't let Caitlin play with the Littlest Pet Shops, first of all, because they were Megan's, not hers, and Megan had them all set up the way she wanted, and that wasn't fair to Megan to let her little sister go in and destroy those. But they were also pretty small and, 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 you know, were a choking hazard for a small child. And so the littlest uh, pet shops were, were, uh, were off limits. And uh, one day, Caitlin was being very, very quiet. My moms, what does it mean when your kid's quiet? They're either in trouble or they're doing, or, you know, 1% of the time they're in trouble. 99% of the time they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. You know, if you haven't heard this for 15 minutes or 10 minutes, Mom, Mom, they're, they're you know, they don't want, if they don't want you, there's a reason they don't want you. So Caitlin was pretty quiet, which was rare for Caitlin to be quiet about anything. So Caitlin's pretty quiet. So Jill just says from the other room, Caitlin, honey, what are you doing? And Caitlin was a bad liar. See, kids are liars, just bad liars. Here's what she said. I'm not playing with Megan's Shep Shops. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> bad liar, but a liar. Listen, if you're a parent and you have children, I beseech thee by the mercies of God, discipline your children because we don't want to deal with them as a society later. Control your children. Don't abuse them, but discipline them in love. All right, for every, listen, that, are there bad drivers out there? Yvette? Are there speeders and tailgaters? All right. The answer to that is not that we just quit driving, but don't be a speeder and a tailgater. I was just saying, no, I was saying that so you would agree with me because I know you're a good driver. If, you, I tell you, if, if, if you're obnoxious like me and you ever want to have fun after church and you notice Yvette's behind you in your rearview mirror, just slow down. But you're probably not obnoxious like me, and you'll probably just pull over and let her pass. But I just drop it about five miles an hour just because that's, that's just the big brother in me. So, all right. So, Paul writes to the Corinthians, the spiritual gifts are being abused. All right, and here's how they're being abused. I speak in tongues more than you. I must be more spiritual. Or right, look at me as I perform my gifts. Ever run into people in church like that? Look at me as I perform my gifts. This is my ministry. I'm a star. No. That's abuse. But we don't shut down preaching of the word just because some pastors are prima donnas. We just find humble pastors, right? So, the right, 
Right use is always the correction for abuse, not non-use. If you've ever used a spiritual gift, you can always use it with the same effectiveness, intensity, and anointing. Jesus could do very few miracles there because of their lack of faith. Well, let's see. If the gifts that Jesus operated in fluctuated in intensity and anointing, you can expect yours to as well. Now, I do believe spiritual gifts in this way are like natural gifts. They get better with use. Uh, anything you do a lot of, you'll get better at. Anything you do a lot of, you'll get better at. That includes bad things as well as good things. Practice makes perfect. So if you have some gifts, if you like operating in some gifts, use them. Find opportunities to use them. If you think, if, I tell people, how many of you get hot hands when we pray and the Holy Spirit comes and your hands get hot? Anybody raise your hands if you get hot hands. Nick, okay. I tell you what, if you get hot hands, put them on somebody. Look around and say, anybody hurting? I got hot hands. You know? Lay your hands on somebody. Use those gifts. That's an anointing that God's giving you. That's an indicator. Uh, my hands don't get hot. They get shaky. It's like, okay, Holy Spirit wants to do something. I'm thinking God wants to do something here. I got Holy Spirit Tourette's going on. It's like, so use it, and it will get better. However, there are times where you'll be operating, you know, you'll have a gift of prophecy and you think you've got something to say and you stand up and it just kind of, bleh. I don't know if you can believe this about me or not, um, but I've preached some bombs. No, you're supposed to shake your head in disbelief. No, never. I've preached some dogs out there, you know. Sometimes Jill, you know, she'll be doing children's church or Sunday school or something like that and she go, How'd it go this morning? And I'll just do this. Yep. It's amazing, though. Oftentimes on those dogs, two weeks later, somebody will come up and say, man, that sermon two weeks ago, it just touched my life. And you, you just got to go, man, if that sermon touched anybody, that had to be God. You know? I was preaching and I was bored. You know? <laughs> You're not bored now, are you? All right, thank you. All right. Spiritual gifts aren't necessary now that we have the Bible. Come on. And where in the Bible that we have does it say that? And, and why wouldn't they be necessary now? Why wouldn't things that were necessary to advance the gospel in the first century be necessary now uh, to advance the gospel? We have the Bible, and the Bible gives us lots of instructions, but the Bible doesn't give us specific instructions. Uh, in Antioch, they were fasting and praying and seeking the Lord, and the Spirit prophesied through them to send out Paul and Barnabas onto the mission field. Well, we have the Bible now, so we don't need um, prophets fasting and praying to direct our missionaries where to go for a bountiful harvest. Really? We know we're supposed to send missionaries, but wouldn't it be great if we were fasting and praying and all of a sudden somebody said, you need to go there because the harvest is ready there. We don't need that today? That wouldn't be good to have today? It wouldn't be good to, to see that uh, uh, John Wimber tells a story of, uh, of a a pastor friend of his who had a dear member of their church dying of cancer. And he called Wimber because he knew Wimber and the vineyard were doing healings, and he said, how do we pray for healing? And Wimber said, same way you pray for travel mercies. Just ask God to heal. Or even better, just go in and proclaim the kingdom is here. And so they went into their friend, 
and they began to pray for healing over their saved friend. In the bed next to the saved friend was another man who had the exact same disease and was not saved. He was so touched, I think these were Presbyterians, he was so touched by the Presbyterians' prayers for their friend that in his tears he said, would you pray for me? And so this group of Presbyterians went over and prayed for this unsaved man, prayed for his healing, and led him to Christ. Two days later, the Presbyterian friend died, and the unbeliever, who was now a believer, was miraculously healed. God is good. Both men win, and his kingdom advances. God is good. That's spiritual gifts operating today to expand the kingdom. And so, yeah, we have the Bible. By the way, you can't interpret the Bible without the Holy Spirit. I don't know that there's a spiritual gift of biblical, well, there is a spiritual gift of teaching the Bible. So the Bible, so we don't need spiritual gifts now that we have the Bible. Well, if we want gifted teachers of the Bible, we need spiritual gifts. So take that, cessationists. All right. The more spectacular the gift, the more spiritual the person. Not true. God gives gifts as he Has it ever bugged you that God gives spectacular spiritual gifts to immature people? It bugs me. It ought not to be that way. It ought not to be that way. I've seen some preachers, and I don't want to pick on TV preachers, but I've seen some preachers on TV who were just bad preachers. They were just dumb when it come to, came to interpreting the Bible. And they're, they, they, you know, they'd read a passage of Scripture and say, it means this. And I'm going, no, it doesn't. <laughs> That's not what it means. And then they go and start laying hands on people and everybody gets healed and delivered and all that. It's like, hey, wait a minute. You can't preach a bad sermon and have anointing to heal the sick. That's just not right. And one of those bad preachers, I was watching on TV one time and he was healing all sorts of people. And I just got broken because he healed this little girl of arthritis. And it touched my hard heart. And I was crying. And the Lord spoke to me in my living room. Said, Kevin, has anything ever like that, like that ever happened in your ministry? No. Would you like it to? With all my heart. Then stop criticizing and learn. So from then on, I made a commitment to be an anointed bad preacher. No, I didn't. <laughs> I think the two can still go together. I hope. The more spectacular the gift, the more spectacular our God. And dear ones, the main abuse with spiritual gifts is pride. The main abuse with any gifts is pride. And so your giftedness is not a measure of how much God loves you and how wonderful a Christian you are. I, love, I, just, read a, I just read on Facebook a, a, a quote by John Wimber and he said, gifts are given, but character grows. He says, that's why when I look for leaders, I always look for character over giftedness. And I look for both. But I'll tell you something. I will never take somebody to be in a foxhole with me with a bunch of giftedness but no character. I want character. I want, but I want, I want them both. I want fruit and gifts. All right? I want a nice gifted fruit basket, you know? And they can go together, but there is not an equal sign 
between character and spirituality and anointing for gifts. I wish there was. The kingdom would make more sense to me if there was. But there's not. The more spectacular the gift, the more spectacular our God. Not the more spectacular the person. And don't we in America, don't we love to make superstars out of people? And then once they reach a superstar status, what do we love to do then? Ooh, just cannibalize them, tear them down. You know what? Anybody, anybody in, this, in Seattle area, anybody feel bad for Mark Driscoll? I felt bad for Mark Driscoll. I don't agree with a lot of stuff Mark Driscoll does, but you know, they let a lot of, Marshall let a lot of people to Jesus, and he did not deserve the public lashing he got. They made some mistakes, but I just felt, I felt like, man, that's just not right. Mark Driscoll's a pastor of Mars Hill Church over in Seattle that crumbled. Yeah, gotcha. All right, good. Only, the only gifts are the ones that are listed in the Bible. Listen, the Bible reveals God, does not contain God. Spiritual gifts are listed four places in the Bible. We're going to be focusing on, uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be focusing on the nine gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12. But 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, all together, is, a, is Paul's discussion about spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4, he talks about spiritual gifts in the form of offices that Christ has given to the church. Romans 12, he talks about spiritual gifts. 1 Peter talks about spiritual gifts in chapter 5. Here's an interesting thing about all, all the places it talks about spiritual gifts. Some of the gifts overlap, and then there are other ones that are mentioned elsewhere. Here's what I love about spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible. Every time spiritual gifts are mentioned, all four of those places, immediately after gifts are talked about, or in some cases immediately before gifts are talked about, you know what's talked about? Love. What does that tell you? Spiritual gifts are God's tool belt of love. And why would God be restricted in the ways that he could, Holy Spirit, inspire love to people? How many of you think you've got a gift of intercession? Anybody think, or anybody know anybody with a gift of intercession? Okay? It's not mentioned in the Bible. Nowhere is it mentioned in the gift of intercession. How many, how many people think that our worship leaders here are anointed and gifted for the task? Hands going up all over the place, Yvette. It's crazy. It's wild. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Nowhere is that mentioned. Nowhere is that mentioned in the Bible. Uh, there's, there, listen, God is not restricted to what he wrote. He won't, he won't do stuff that contradicts what he wrote. And I'm not talking about God adding doctrine. I'm just saying, you can't say, well, that's not a spiritual gift. That's not in the Bible. Here's how you know it's a spiritual gift. Did, it edify, did God use it supernaturally to edify the body or bless an, un, an unsaved person? Then it's a gift, by definition. It didn't, you know, people, people will say, that just came from God. Well, it's a mixture. The gift came from God. It came through the package that is you. I like what Bill Johnson says when somebody sings a beautiful song and he compliments them. They say, oh, that was all God. And he says, well, if it was all God, it would have been better. <laughs> It was some you. It came through you, but it was God, and that's a spiritual gift. Um, and, 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 and so I don't think they're restricted to these nine or add a few more that show up in Romans and Ephesians and 1 Peter. I think God is infinitely creative in how he wants to operate and function through you. But remember, 
the gifts that operate and function through you aren't your gifts. They're God's gifts to the church and the world through you. You are the conduit. You're the me. You're the, you're the wrapping. You're not the present. And isn't that enough? I mean, won't that protect us from pride more than anything else, realizing this is not about my spirituality. It's about the goodness of God going forth into the land of the living, and yippee, I get to play. And that's one of the things uh, uh, John Wimber also used to say, back to our first misconception, that spiritual gifts are just for pastors and, and superstars. Dear ones, when it comes to God expanding his kingdom, blessing people in the church, going out in the world, we all get to play. Anybody play sports growing up as a kid? Okay. And when you were little, you all got to play. But then as you got more competitive, what happened? The good players got to play. The other guys get to sit the bench. I'm watching college basketball. The season's coming to an end. A lot of teams are having their senior night and playing their final days. And when the team gets a big lead, and actually a couple of coaches whose teams who have nothing to gain or lose by winning a uh, losing game, put the walk-ons out on the court, not the scholarship players. You know the difference between a walk-on and a scholarship player? One's good, the other one's not. No, the walk-ons actually are good athletes, they're good, but they're not good enough to get a scholarship. But the coach will put the, the, the walk-ons out there and they get to play for about two minutes at the end of the beginning of the game. And then the star athlete, when you're six years old, every kid gets to play soccer. But in the big leagues, no way. Remember Super Bowl when uh, Lane went down with his broken uh, arm and twisted knee, and number 27, what's the kid's name, came in, our cornerback? Uh, anyway, number 27 came in. I remember he came in. He's not as good as number 20 who got injured. And they actually, hurt, they actually had Tom Brady, they heard him on the sideline talk to, his, talk to uh, his wide receiver and say, keep going at number 27. And they did. And their winning touchdown was a pat. And he, the, the kid tried. He made some good plays. But, but Brady, you know, he smelled blood in the water, right? And he went after her because that's, that's the way. And that's the way, in competitive, that's the way it's played. But in God's kingdom, everybody gets to play. But here's the thing. He makes you better than you are. Would he have done that for our backup cornerback? Would have been helpful. He makes you better than you are. So not only do we all get to play, we just don't all get to play because God's fair and he wants to let all the six-year-olds you know, feel like winners. We all get to play because he gets the glory when he shows up through the likes of us. I mean, he does say this in 1 Corinthians, right? Not many of you were wise. Not many of you were famous. Not many of you were, you know... He kind of says, you were the, you know, most, in your, in your senior yearbook, you were voted most likely to be mediocre. And that's okay, right? The world celebrates the superstars. We celebrate Jesus coming through folks like us. The ordinary. And then there's no room for pride in that. Because it really is him, but there is room for joy. I tell you, I, I am never so excited as when I lead someone to Christ. 
How fun is that? And they pray, and we walk, and, and, I, and I, it's like it's the greatest thing in the world. And God says, yeah, but his grandmother's been praying for him for 25 years. She's the real hero. Great, Jesus. I know the grandmother's real. I died for him. I'm the real, real hero. I know, but I'm still doing the dance in the end zone because I just caught the touchdown pass. And one of my quotes is going to come out of their mouth. How good is that? I listen to my old youth pastor preach. I listen to my son preach. I listen to people who used to go to Living Hope. I listen to them preach. And they start preaching. I go, I said that. You got that from me. You did it better. And that's good, too. I watch my son. He's better than me. I watch my son preach. He's better than me. I go, man. How do you think that makes you feel? That makes you feel good. All right. Stand up. Who wants gifts? Name a gift that, that you don't operate in normally that, that, that God has given you a hunger for. Name a gift that you don't operate in normally that God has given you a hunger for. Somebody. Lord, make somebody hungry in this room. Lord, I just impart wisdom now in the name of Jesus. Impart wisdom. You got one, Glenn, or are you just stretching? What is it? Prophecy, Lord. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Give him prophecy, Lord. Give him wisdom. Evangelism. Evangelism. That would be a great gift for you to have because you are so friendly. Lord, just give him evangelism. Give him boldness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yes, Gene, what do you want? Faith. Lord, give her the gift of faith in Jesus' name. Stir up faith in Gene. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else want a gift that you, you're not currently operating in? No, Lord, I'm not going to say service. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> All right. God, yes, what was that? Boldness. Boldness. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 